Okay, how many senses does a normal, healthy person have? Five. Help me with them. Sight. Taste. And touch. Touch. We're going to talk about touch today. Do you know you have around five million nerve sensors, touch sensors, receptors on your body? Isn't that incredible? Five million? And whether you were conscious of it or not, not, you have used those receptors a lot this morning, haven't you? Every time you've shook someone's hand, you have, you have touched them. Every time you've patted someone on the back or you've hugged them or, or when you stepped outside and you felt the cold this morning, uh, your nerve centers were working. We, we understand, uh, whether we're, again, whether we give much thought to it or not, how that our sense of touch affects everything we do. In fact, when you stand up in a moment on a, and you hold on to the, the pew or whatever, or your head, you go to sleep and your pew hits the... Uh, your head hits the pew, uh, that's part of uh, the, the sense of touch. And, and touch not only affects us physically, it affects us psychologically too, doesn't it? I mean, uh, pain is, uh, you, you touch something you shouldn't, it's hot. That affects you physically and psychologically. We know, we know touch can communicate intimacy, and not just romantically, but uh, when you're around someone that you love and you care about, there is a uh, an extra hug or a touch that's special, uh, and aggression. You know, when you know, someone pushes you, uh, that, can, uh, that sense of touch demonstrates something to you also. Well, in Mark chapter 5, this morning, we're going to look at a lady who touched God. Who touched God, and whose life was never the same after this experience. And what I want us to look at this morning is you and me, touching God and being touched by God, maybe even in this hour, to have a life-changing experience. Mark chapter 5. How do we touch God? Here's the first thought. We have got to get ourselves in the presence of God. Now, this is a tricky thing. We have to get ourselves in the presence of God. If you've been to church much, you know the Bible teaches this. God is everywhere, correct? I mean, a missionary never goes to an island or a place where God is not. God is everywhere. God is in this room this morning. We don't have to worry about God being with us, but many of us, God's presence is here, but we're not in God's presence. You following me? It's not God's presence being here that we need to worry about. It's us being present with God and connecting with God that we're going to look at this morning. It starts in verse 21, and it says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. I want to show you on a map. This is it's really it's almost funny. If you were here three or four weeks ago, Jesus and his guys were often in Capernaum, I can't, my little light's not working. There it is. That was kind of his adopted hometown, Capernaum. And they get in the boat. They're going over here to the Decapolis, the region of the Gerasenes. And remember, while they're, th- while they're in the boat, Jesus goes to sleep. A terrible storm breaks out. The guys think Jesus has failed him. They wake him up. He calms the sea. Everybody kind of freaks out and goes, God, this is God in the boat. And so they get over here to this side, and then what, when, as soon as they land, a demon-filled man comes running out at them, and they have an encounter. Jesus heals this man, and then the people of this region say, 
please leave. You remember that? So they just landed, and so now they've gotten back in the boat, and now they're going, they, they, were, they went east to west, now they're going back to the west, probably around Capernaum. And remember, these were not power boats. These were not speed boats or motor boats. These were wind-driven boats are more than anything else, they were rowboats. So I imagine the guy just saying, come on, make up your mind, Jesus. Let's get in one spot and let's stay for a while. So that's, that's what's going on here. Verse 22 through 24 one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet, and he pleaded earnestly with him. My little, do- little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd followed and pressed around him. Now, this is going to be a key part of the story, this large crowd. It says here they pressed around him, which literally means to be compressed by something or someone. There's people here. Luke tells the same story, gives a little different spin. In Luke 8, 42, look at the last part of that. What Luke says is as, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. So are you getting the picture? This is not just Jesus and the 12 guys and a few followers. I mean, this is a mass of people, and, and they're just almost shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow, people touching Jesus, Jesus going through the crowd and interacting with him. Verse 25 enters our heroine of the story. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes... I will be healed. Let me tell you what's going on here. Here's a lady who had a serious physical problem. We don't know exactly what it was, but she had some type of hemorrhage where literally she bled and was bleeding for 12 years. For 12 years. And in this passage, it describes this as being painful, as being uncomfortable, uh, and being a serious medical problem that no doctor could help. Now, that's not good. That's not good on any front, but it's really worse because she is a Jewish woman. And for a Jewish person, you go back to Leviticus in the Old Testament, if you had an open wound, it's bleeding, or you had some type of hemorrhage, and you're bleeding, you were considered unclean during that time which meant you could not go to the synagogue. The synagogue was their version of the local church and participate. You could not go to the temple and participate. If you were married, you could not have any kind of relationship uh, sexually with your husband during a, a time when you were bleeding. If you touched another person while you were bleeding... That makes them unclean, at least for that day. And they have to go have some kind of a ritual bath to be clean. This is a terrible thing. For 12 years, she's excluded from her church, basically using our language, excluded from the temple. If she was married, she is probably divorced. She's not only got a great physical problem, she's got a tremendous spiritual, personal, psychological problem. She is desperate, and she says, if I can just touch Jesus... I know this is what I need. If I can just touch Jesus Christ, everything's going to be okay. Now, it says she wanted to touch his cloak. It was, it was one of two things. It was either his prayer shawl that Jewish men wore around their shoulders. Maybe she was saying, if I can just get close enough and touch his prayer shawl. Or maybe it was his big outer cloak. And, and on it, there were, there were four little things that hung down... Uh, 
tassels that hung down that represented the, the, the law of, of God. And maybe she thought, if I can just touch one of those tassels, I'll be healed. Now, one thing I'm going to tell you over and over and over, there's hundreds of people that are touching Jesus. None of them are influenced or impacted in any way, we're told, in this story, except this one lady. She made a conscious choice that day that I'm going to find Jesus and I'm going to get in his presence and something's going to happen. Folks, I want to tell you this morning, you want to touch God? You need to make a conscious choice that I'm going to get in the presence of God. Like I said a moment ago, what I said earlier, God is everywhere. It's not a matter of us inviting God here. God is here. It's a matter of us getting into his presence. Are you following me? Hundreds, maybe thousands of people touched Jesus that day. One person was in the presence of God, and it was this lady. Years ago, I read a, a book. It's a great book. You, 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 I'm sure you get on Amazon or maybe in our library called Practicing the Presence of God. It was written by a monk named Brother Lawrence, and Brother Lawrence said he started an experiment, and he ended up doing it the rest of his life, that as much as he could, as much as he could, he focused on the fact that Jesus was with him everywhere he went. That's true. He's in you as a Christian. He's beside you. He said it's unbelievable how when you start consciously practicing the presence of God, how your language gets better, how your gossip ceases, how you're not going to worry about cheating on your husband or your wife because, uh-oh, yep, Jesus is here. <laughs> how your attitude and your behavior and your discipline gets better. Folks, here's the problem today in our church. And it's not just our church. It's in, it's in all churches, probably most churches. Problem in my life and in your life, we are too casual with God. We are too casual with the things of God. We're just like everybody else in the crowd that day. Hey, there's Jesus, 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 Jesus. How you doing, pal? High five, Jesus. T yeah, let's touch his hair and his tassel, whatever. But that lady said, I want to be touched by God. I want to touch God. And it's not going to happen if you go to sleep in the next 20 minutes. It's not going to happen if you're texting in the next 20 minutes. It's not going to happen if you're writing out your work schedule for tomorrow in the next 20 minutes. Where can this happen? It can happen anywhere. You know, church is a great place for it to happen. You know, one thing we pray is that in our services that we will experience the presence of God and touch God and be touched by God. In your prayer time, when you're praying, folks, I hope you're, you're not just going through a ritual. I got to pray for five minutes. I hope you're trying to touch God. When you open up your Bibles and you're reading your Bibles, I hope you're not just going through a ritual to check it off to say I did my Bible reading today. But you're saying, you know what? I'm opening God's Word and I want to touch and be touched by God. In Acts chapter 17, verse 27, God did this so that men would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each of us. Folks, that day Jesus wasn't far from many people, but only one truly found Him. He's not far from you and me today. And if we want to touch God and be touched by God, it can happen even this morning. Here's the second part of this. We've got to come to God with real focus. 
We've got to come to God with a real focus. And again, I'm afraid most of us are getting a C plus or a D plus in this area. Verse 27 and 28. When she heard about Jesus, she decided to get some popcorn. And she might try to get near him if she could. But she wasn't sure if that's what she really wanted to do that day because she had a lot to do and she had more people to text and there were some fun new games that she had downloaded yesterday. That's the modern version. She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch the clothes of this man, I will be healed. Now, guys, if you're taking notes, here's something really significant. The New Testament was written in Greek. The Greeks had two different words for our one word touch. One word for touch meant literally to touch the surface of something. Obviously, that could be philosophical or figurative, or it could be literal. That you're just you're just you know kind of walking through and high fiving people or, or, or elbow bump, whatever. You're just kind of a surface, nothing hypocritical or fake about it. Just kind of a surface thing. The word used for touch here literally means I'm going to touch something to influence. Influence it or be influenced by it. Do you, you get my picture? She was saying, I, I'm, I'm going to go touch God. I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to rub against him. I'm not going to just, like everybody in the crowd, maybe touch his hair, his beard. I want to touch Jesus so that my life will be different. How's your focus? You know, I'm going to be honest with you. Our focus is not real good, is it, anymore? I, I like to observe people. And, and I, I watch, we were at a conference this week in, in Dallas around lots of people. And it's interesting. And you can even go to my house and see this where people are together. Five people in a room or 50 people in a big room. And, and sometimes you're sitting close to one another, but no one's interacting because somebody's texting. Somebody's playing the new game. Somebody's talking on the phone. Somebody's on the Internet. And then somebody's watching TV. Is that your world too? And, you know, they say, and I believe this is true, this is messing with our head and we're getting addicted to it just like you get addicted to drugs. And that the whole idea of multitasking, really you can't do that and you're not effective when you try to do that. And then we come to church, and, and I hope you're not texting right now because I'm calling you out indirectly if you are. I, don't, I can't see if you are. are. Are we, you know, we struggle to stay awake for an hour. Are we struggle to focus for an hour? And then we wonder why God doesn't work in our family and in our life. Wonder why we don't see the power of God in our community and our churches and Again, more importantly, maybe right now and in your life. This lady said, I know what I need more than anything else. I need to be touched, and I need to touch God. She made a conscious choice to get in God's presence. She was focused like a laser. This is what I'm fixing to do. I'm going to touch Jesus and be different. I want to challenge you this morning. You don't be satisfied with the casual relationship you may have with Christ this morning. Don't be satisfied with a, with a first-grade spirituality unless you're in the first grade. But you make a choice 
that you're going to focus in and you're going to touch God and be transformed by it. Let me give you the third thing. When we want to be touched by God, we've got to come with positive expectations. And I put the word faith in parentheses. When you want to be touched by God, we've got to come with positive expectations. We've got to come in faith that we're fixing to have an encounter with God. In verse 28, because she thought, if I just touched his clothes, I will be healed. We're going to see in a moment, she had faith that God was fixing to do something. Now, verse 36 ties into this story of the synagogue ruler that Jesus is going to heal hurt his daughter in a few moments. Listen to what Jesus says. Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. Folks, in the Bible, the word faith or believe, it, it means to be persuaded about something. It's not just mental facts like, I believe in Abraham Lincoln, I believe in George Washington, I believe that the Dallas Cowboys didn't make the playoffs and that made me real happy. I mean, those are all facts. But faith, it, the faith in Christ involves a, I believe it mentally, I swallow it into my heart, and my life is changed by it. That's what faith biblically is. Uh, several weeks ago, one of our church members writing in a, uh, a devotional expressed in the Bible the three types of faith you see in the New Testament. Saving faith, where a person becomes a Christian, where they place their faith and their trust and their life in Christ. That's fixing to happen to this woman. Our faith, when, the, when everything's dark and you just trust God, have faith in God. Our faith, when you need a miracle and you believe Him for some big thing, and the lady was going to also do that too. But guys, don't be fooled at all. When she decided she was going to go and touch Jesus, she came believing that it was going to matter. F.B. Meyer was a great Bible scholar and preacher in another generation, and he made a great quote, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase him, but this is us today. He said, proximity doesn't always join with intimacy. Proximity does not always translate to connectedness. Just because you're physically close to someone doesn't mean you're connecting with them. It doesn't mean you're intimate with them. Sadly enough, uh, there, there are plenty of married couples that sleep in the same bed and hardly ever talk. They're physically close, but they are not connected at all. See, what this lady figured out was that if I'm going to be connected with Jesus, it wasn't just about proximity. It was about my heart. And it was about believing that I could connect with him and it was going to matter. What are you expecting to happen in your God relationship? What you expect in so many areas of life determines what you get. Jesus says over and over and over, your faith, your belief, your expectation is going to determine what you receive. At my first church, I'd been pastor there about, about four weeks in October of 1986. I was three years old. I started pastoring very young. And, and I can remember, it was a Sunday night. I remember this so vividly. On a Sunday night, this guy, now there's, there's 30 people there, okay? And where David Caston is sitting is the back row of the church, okay? David, raise your hand. So, okay, look at me. Guys, when there's 30 there and that's the back row, there is nowhere to hide. Are you following me? You sleep or you talk, you've hurt my feelings. And I know, I can probably hear what you're saying. It's tough. 
And I can spit on you pretty easy, too, because I'm about three feet closer to the audience. Well, this guy, there's a guy, he comes with his wife. And her family are members of the church. And he's the most bored person I've ever seen in church. I've been, you know, I'm sure the sermon wasn't very good. I'm, I'm not going to debate that at all. I'm sure it was terrible. And he let me know it was terrible. Uh, if your arms are crossed, I'm not, I'm not looking at you. But he was sitting like this, head back. And, and occasionally his eyes would, I think, on purpose. It wasn't like he was going to sleep. It was like, oh, boy, you know. He was really, he was bored out of his gourd. I guarantee you, he got zero, none, nada out of that. He wasn't touched by anything but the pew. That was the only thing that touched him that day. Well, four months later, his wife leaves him for another guy. And he comes back to church. He sat on the edge of his pew. He swallowed everything I said, hook, line, and sinker. And I'm going to guarantee you the sermon wasn't much better four months later than it had been earlier. That week, he writes me a letter on how God used the sermon, God used our church, how much it meant to him, how much it blessed him. You know what the difference was? It was his expectation of what was going to happen. You're not going to touch God with negativity. You're not going to touch God if your attitude is, well, I've been there, done that, heard that, what's next? You're going to touch God when you say, God, I want to I touch you. I want to know you. I want you to impact my life. And when this lady made that decision, or if you make that decision, here's what happens. God will transform you. He will transform you. Hundreds of people touched Jesus that day. One's life was changed forever. Let me tell you two ways it happens. One way it can happen in an instant. In verse 29 through 34, immediately her bleeding stopped. Immediately. She felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and he asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people are crowding against you, his disciples answered. And you ask, Who touched me? That's interesting. Really, really if, if I would read this like they were saying it, it was like they were really dissing Jesus here. It's like hundreds of people are touched. We are being crushed to death and you... By the way, you ought to know this. You know everything else. You're asking who touched you? Come on, Jesus. Come on. But Jesus doesn't let it go. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the truth. And he said, daughter, like you're in the family now. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. When Jesus talked about the power went out of him, that biblical word power is dunamis. We get our word dynamite from it. It's an inherent power. Hundreds of people are touching Jesus, but one touched him with intent and purpose and focus and faith. And Jesus said, the power of God has gone out of me. And this lady timidly comes up. Why'd she timidly come up? Well, a lady isn't supposed to touch a man in public in those days. A lady especially wasn't supposed to touch a rabbi. A lady who had an issue of blood was not supposed to touch anybody or she going to make him unclean. And I'm sure she thought, oh, no, I am fixing to really get in trouble for this. Jesus said, no. 
By calling her daughter, it was like he was saying, listen, you just got saved. You just got healed. He said, peace, shalom, go. You are freed from your problems. Your life will never be the same. I want to tell you, when you get touched by God or you touch God, your life can change in an instant. My life, I think it's happened two or three times. I think back to the very first time when I was 19 years old. And, and I wasn't reading my Bible thinking, I want to be touched by God and I want to touch God. I was just at a point where I knew something was bad wrong and I needed something right. And I got down on my knees and I said, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Here it is. By the way, I drink way too much and I talk terrible and I need some help at that changing right now. You know what? I got up a different person. Can God touch you this morning and change you? Absolutely. Sometimes the transformation takes, it's over time. You see, what we're talking about this morning is not making a decision, I'm going to try in the next three minutes to touch God, and then I'm going to go home and forget about this, and maybe next week I'll start over. It's making a choice with your life that you're going to pursue God, and you're going to let God transform you and your existence and it can happen instantaneously but sometimes it's a process and it happens over time Dr. Paul Cho is a pastor in Seoul, Korea the biggest church in the world it's a full gospel church which means that they are more Pentecostal they certainly believe in healing of people we believe that here they would believe it even stronger and Dr. Cho talks about people being healed instantaneously in their services. But he said, I've also seen people with serious problems psychologically, physically, emotionally. And I've seen over a course of six months or a year or two years as they prayed, as they saw their doctor, as people prayed over them, that God transformed them and healed them. What I want to tell you, if you will touch God and let God touch you, He'll transform your world. Here's the question. Are you willing you willing to stick your head and your neck out today? I guess it took her 12 years of desperation to finally say there's no other choice but to touch, touch Jesus. I hope you don't have to get to a point that you're so desperate that there's nowhere else to look. But if you're at that point, you look to Jesus today. But everybody else here, I want to challenge you. Make a choice to touch God today. And the Bible says you'll never be disappointed when you make that decision. Let's bow. This morning, if you're a Christian, your challenge is, is to decide what you want to do with God the rest of your life. And what you want him to do in your life. If you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you right where you're seated to pray with me. Pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. I believe you're God's son who died and arose. And Jesus today... I give you my life. Come into my heart, Jesus, and change me. Let me have your attention just for a second. We're going to stand in a moment. 
And when we do, I want to encourage you to respond to Christ. Maybe you just asked Jesus into your heart. Or maybe you're ready to do that this morning. When we stand, will you come and talk to a minister? Let them help you with that decision. Maybe today you'd like to join our church family. One way you can do that is just ease out, come down and talk to a minister. You can join our church today. We would love for you to do that. Christian, maybe where you're standing or at the altar praying with a minister, the truth is you are so far from God, you couldn't touch him if you had 20-foot extenders on your hands today. And you need to turn back to God. And you need to pursue him the rest of your life with all your heart. Maybe, Christian, you're here and you're desperate and you're broken and you need a touch from God. Reach out to him today. Let him touch your life and change you. Let's stand. And as the Lord leads you today, you respond to him as we sing.